Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports. Ryan Drury here. I'll be joined by Steve Sabrin, and we will first chat with a special guest, the new GM of the Hanover Barons, Blair Butchard, of course, a former player himself. We'll chat with him about his transition to the front office and his outlook on his new managerial career path. Then Clarkie will join us, and we'll talk about his Maple Leafs and a number of rumors around some of their free agent players. Is the Zach Hyman era over? Will Freddie come back? What did they do with Morgan Riley with a year left on his deal? Lots to talk about there. We'll chat a bit about the MLB All-Star Week as well and an impressive showing again from Vlad Guerrero Jr. winning MVP honors. And we'll welcome back wagering expert Chris Abbott from CoolBet to give out some hot bets for the weekend as always. You're listening to and watching MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you as always by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury alongside Steve Sabrin. We're very pleased to be joined by a special guest this week, the new general manager of the Hanover Barons Hockey Club, someone familiar to hockey fans in our area, Blair Butchard. How are you, Blair? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. We really appreciate you joining us, man. Now, obviously... uh, you know, you you transitioning into a front office role, I, I think maybe caught some people off guard around here because you're still such a young guy, still probably plenty of hockey left in you. Um, just tell us a little bit about the decision process there and what inspired you to transition from at least playing on the ice the majority of the time to the general manager's chair. And what what's that transition been like for you? Yeah, I mean... You know, uh, all every year when I've been playing, you know, I've always been intrigued, you know, the management role and, you know, kind of developing the, the business aspect, I guess you could say of it. And ever since I think I was about 13 or 14, I wanted to, you know, go to sports management at Brock. And, you know, that was always something I was kind of uh, put, put my effort into. So I think, you know, I, I really enjoyed that first year and, you know, uh, coming coming through, uh, you know, I had a couple of great, great conversations with, you know, some professors there and teachers and, you know, ways to you know, kind of put yourself out there and uh, develop that. And I think, you know, I love every minute of playing, playing junior, you know, it's, it's the best times of your life, you know, it was, it was a great opportunity, but I, I was just always just fascinated by the front office stuff. And I think, you know, I, I, with getting an opportunity, you know, from, from Hanover, uh, I was just something I was really excited about. And I, you know, I think it's a great way to, you know, kind of get into that opportunity and, you know, kind of develop my, uh, you know, front office skills as a, as a manager. So what was the first item of business that uh, you had to take care of stepping into the role? I guess, uh, you know, right, right away, I guess right when uh, it was decided, you know, I was kind of going right, right from the start and, uh, you know, me and me and Mike and the you know, whole organization as a whole kind of work, work together. And I think, you know, we uh, brought in, you know, recently Trevor Beek and, and Jonah White. So I think having those two, uh, you know, very, very well-known players come into uh, to this organization. I think that's a that's a huge start and a stepping stone, you know. And I think uh, they're, they're great leaders, and I think that's a great uh, place to begin. I guess. Yeah, that acquisition. I, I'm glad you brought that up because, of course, we wanted to ask you about that. That definitely caught the eyes of people here in Listowel. Uh, Trent Verbeek, of course, he he's got a lot of experience. He's won an awful lot in hockey much like yourself, um, of course, being part of that Cherry Cup and Sutherland Cup run and another Cherry Cup as well. And then Jonah White has been one of the key players for the Listowel Cyclones alongside Trent for the last couple of seasons. Uh, The Hanover Barons, you know, over the last few years, uh, through the means of a lot of young players, particularly homegrown young players, have really improved. Last year, they were a really exciting team. Now you add these two veteran guys. I mean, that's got to have your club with a pretty positive looking outlook i mean are are you shooting for top three or bust in the division yeah no absolutely i think uh you know bringing bringing these guys in it, it excites everybody you know the, the town the organization you know the players firsthand uh you know just it kind of just gives you that you know up and roar again you know we're ready to go we're, we're here to prove something i think for sure you know we we expect to be competitive every every single game and i you know i think we have very high expectations for for our club as a whole you know i think the players they're excited they're ready to go and you know i think they're everybody's just hungry to get back on the ice it takes a community effort uh, to put a community team together. What sort of things have been happening uh, over the last couple of months with the team off the ice, fundraisers, uh, I guess, uh, some events to help the organization itself? Uh, what have you been able to do? Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, 
actually this past weekend we had a, a really good bottle drive and you know fundraiser in, in Hanover itself so you know a lot of the players were going going all through the areas and, and you know collecting bottles and, and and cans from a lot of the a lot of the people around and we had an amazing turnout you know a lot more than we, we even expected you know everybody was excited to see everybody and you know it was great to get out I think it was just the boys getting to show your faces out in the community you know give get get everybody back and excited you know it's been almost two two years now that since since hockey's been out so I think you know just that first weekend you know getting everybody back together I think that was a really good start and I think uh you know getting out in the community was one of the greatest things we did so far we're chatting with Blair Butcher the general manager of the Hanover Barons of the Provincial Junior Hockey League Junior C League here in the Pollock division that we cover of course at CKNX we can't wait to get back in the rink and get to the PH Center and maybe have a chat with you live there that would be nice uh the last time we saw you live, Blair, uh, the playoffs were still going on, the 2020 playoffs, which, of course, got cut short. You guys were only two games deep. I believe it was only two games uh, against Wingham when COVID hit and everything, unfortunately, got canceled. Of course, the Mount Forest Patriots, who you were playing for at the time, uh, gunning for a third straight title. Um, you were a big part of those titles that they did manage to win. And, of course, you spent a lot of time uh, in Junior B as well with St. Mary's, who were familiar with uh you bring an awful lot of winning pedigree into the front office now i mean you've got a unique perspective that you know probably a lot of other executives to a degree don't have you're you're coming out of a winning environment immediately into the gm's chair what sort of mentality will that help you with in terms of you know winning so much on the ice and knowing what it takes to build a winner in the in the pollock division yeah, no, I th exactly. I think you said right there, you know, knowing what it takes, you know, being in those opportunities in different, different situations too, right? Like when I was 17, you know, I remember coming back from a, from a series down 3-0 and, you know, digging deep and seeing, you know, what it takes in that situation. And then I think my next season, you know, we kind of had a really good year in Mount Forest and kind of was on top and kind of roll, rolled our way through, through the league that year. And I think, you know, we've been on both sides of the spectrum and, you know, I know, uh, other guys in our organization like Thomas and, and Mike, you know, they, they were there in Mount Forest as well when, when, when that happened. And I, I think, you know, they, 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 they helped explain, you know, when we were there, what, what you have to do to win and how, how is that going to come aboard? So I think, you know, just having those little aspects of in-game decisions, in-game trades when it gets to the playoffs and just overall feeling everything out, you know, you just, you want to have everybody on the same page and just as long as it's a well-oiled machine, you know, everything will go well. Um, Tell us a little bit about the coaching staff and the communication you have with them and, uh, you know, what sort of the game plan is and how this team is going to roll headed into the season. Yeah, no, for sure. So we have Pete and Chad, you know, Peter Irwin and Chad Bolton, you know, they're, they're our two assistant coaches right now. And, you know, we're still in the, in the means for a head coach. And I think, you know, uh, it's a decision we'll obviously all make together as a group. I think we want to, we, we didn't want to rush into anything right away. You know, it's still July. We have a long time. Um, I think we want to make sure it's the right guy, obviously, coming in with with the guys we have. You, you want uh, your team's only as good as your head coach. So I think, you know, once once as a group, we we kind of figure out our, what, what we're doing. I think, you know, we're always looking and I think it's just a matter of what we decide to do and when it'll come with us. Blair, I'm curious as well, just, uh, you know, obviously you were such a great player in this league and at the junior level. I mean, we got you, we had the pleasure of watching you for a long time uh, and the impact that you had on those winning clubs in Mount Forest. What was that like experiencing that? Because, you know, even when I first started at CKNX and in the years just prior to that, the Patriots were still, you know, a little bit of a struggling club. They were finishing sixth, fifth, last sometimes you and that young group you know that came in and you know with the Stefanellis and guys like that that we had a lot of fun watching you guys were part of of the turnaround and now the Patriots have become you know a model franchise I mean what was that like for you experiencing that coming in as a young player when the team was in transition and seeing it rise and rise to uh, incredible levels of winning what was that like to experience as a player yeah. I mean, it was, it was amazing. It was, you know, when, when you're a you kid, you know, you, you, you see those underdog stories that come up and next thing you know, they're on top and, you know, to actually get to junior, you know, you're excited to be in junior and you start off as your team, you know, you had a, you had a good core there, you know, Trevor Houston and Doug Costanzo, Doug Artis, that we had a great group of guys, Mitch Betts. And, and I think that was a great group that, you know, kind of gave us a great example and, you know, firsthand, you know, John Antonopoulos, Rob Nixon, Trent McClement, you know, Mike Fisher, those four kind of brought that, 
group together and kind of, for me personally, at least kind of showed me the ropes, showed me what junior hockey's like, how a team and organizations managed, you know, I was, I was there for, for a long time. And that's, that's what I've known. You know, I, St. Mary's went to St. Mary's. I was obviously with Trent, you know, Trent did the same thing. He brought a lot of, you know, what, what he's known. And, you know, you saw from St. Mary's this first season to the second season, they had a huge improvement, right. And, and that's just buying into the systems and, and, and doing, you know, what you've experienced and what you've seen, because like, for what we've been a part of, you know, it's worked and it, it, it's gotten done every time. So I think, you know, just uh, being able to make, make decisions on the fly, but as well as go with what you know, I think it, it all comes in together as one. You know what, Blair, it's interesting because uh, this is something coming up this season that we've never seen before. I've never seen before. A whole league it takes a year off, a year and a bit, really. Uh, no practicing, no games, uh, you know, everything's on the down low everybody's back to that starting line. What's going to be the key factor uh, for your team in getting off on the right foot? Yeah, um, I think for sure, you know, the, one of the bigger messages I know we, we sent to the, the team uh, at the bottle drive and then is, you know, come to camp in shape. You know, you, you, you don't know it's been two years. It's uh, if other people aren't working, someone else is. And, you know, those guys, I believe, are going to have a huge advantage over, you know, any sorts of hockey players at the start of the year, whether you were a top player at the start. If you're, if you're not ready to go by the time the year starts, you know, the people who have been putting the work in will, will have the advantage, I truly believe. I think it just comes down to, you know, uh, what, what guys want to come and what guys don't. And, and, you know, the hardest working guys normally come through and prevail, right? So I think just getting ready to go and being ready when camp's there. Blair, like I said, I mean, you were one of the most skilled players we ever watched, certainly at the junior C and junior B levels over the last number of years. It was a ton of fun watching you when you had the puck on your stick. Uh, you know, we were kind of joking around before the interview talking about foot injuries. Well, some of the stuff you used to do on the ice, I'd get a foot injury if I tried to do some of it. Uh, you know, you were such a slick player, creative offensively. Who were some guys that you maybe like to watch at the pro level or maybe not even the pro level, you know, locally at the junior level? Who are some guys, players that you like to watch that you kind of took inspiration and applied it to your own game? Yeah, no, for sure. I think, you know, I, I've always been like a pass first guy and I, I, that was kind of one of the biggest things I ever did. And, you know, when I was a kid, I loved Datsuk, you know, Datsuk is my favorite guy. One of them growing up, I loved, I loved the style he brought into the game. You know, it was, it was always a different style. And, and even coming to Mount Forest, you know, it was, it was, it was crazy. I loved watching the way guys in our team played, you know, Trevor Houston had that wicked shot, you know, you'd sit there and watch and I, you'd sit there, wow, these guys, you know, the, the stuff they could do. And, and, and I think it just, I just a bit a bit of a mixture of both, I guess you could say. Well, Pavel, I, I love watching the way they played. I just I, I guess it was more or less. I like to play different because I was I always knew I was a pass first guy. But I mean, just a kind of a all around, you know. Try to. I, I was a little struggling when I was younger in the own end of the ice, and I think that was the biggest thing as I got older. You know, I had to learn. You know, that how important it is. You really, as, as you get older, you realize. You know, that's what wins you games. So I think. You know, I, I really enjoyed watching as much as I hate the Boston Bruins. You see Patrice Berger on the stuff he does does out there, right? So, I mean, I, I I've always tried to be optimistic and you know be my own guy, but I've always liked to take things from anybody you can. Um, you you said Pavel Datsuk. Did you use his curve on the ice? Was that your stick? <laughs> I I actually had the Ovechkin curve. I was a big Ovechkin guy when I was a kid. You know, I was number eight. Wore, I used the yellow laces, the tongue out, and I, I just didn't shoot the puck. So that, that was the only problem the way it was. But uh, you just opened the floodgates now. You're looking oh, at the dear. number one Ovechkin <laughs> fan with the Oakland A's hat on. My goodness. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, and what's funny about you mentioning that is I noticed your curve one night and I asked the uh, coaching staff, is he using the Ovechkin curve? And they said, yeah, he is. And I just had to chuckle to myself because it's, it's such a goofy looking curve, but it seemed to work for you. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I got made fun of. They had the biggest curve in the league, and the guy took the less shots a night. So, yeah, <laughs> it was always just him and Han, but I, I felt it helped me pass in the puck. So I used it. Well, hey, you can't complain then if the tool works, it works, man. Uh, I'm I'm curious as well, Blair. Obviously, you know, this is a great stepping stone for you. You mentioned you've always been interested in the managerial side of things and the business side of the game. Ultimately, you know, you're such a young guy. I believe you're only 22 years old, if if math serves me correctly. Uh, what's ultimately your goal? Like, do you have a big goal in mind on on the way? Where would you like to take this in terms of a career path? Yeah, no, for sure. I, uh, I, I, 
like I said, you know, being in sports management, you know, it's something, you know, I've always wanted to do. And, you know, there's a lot of kids in that program. And, and I think, you know, my, my long-term goal is, you know, to set myself up for success, to move up as high as I can in, in the, in the hockey world. You know, if, if you can show, you can prove and win and, and run a good organization, you know, it's, that's the least you can ask at a young age. Right. So I, I have long-term goals. I, I want to do my best and, you know, try to get a spot into the, the OHL eventually someday and, you know, work, work to there. It's, uh, it's going to take, you know, a lot of hard work. And I think, you know, coming in here, you know, I'm ready to, you know, prove myself at a young age, especially at this league, you know, I'm excited to get an opportunity, you know, given, given this, I'm forever grateful for. So I'm just ready to take advantage of it and, you know, not waste any minutes. Absolutely. And, and I know that you mentioned earlier that you don't like the Boston Bruins. Can I safely assume you're a Toronto Maple Leaf fan? I am. Yes. Okay, great. Well, our co-host, Chris Clark, who will join us after this segment, we're going to have a very deep dive on the Maple Leafs. There's a lot of storylines flying around. Let's put your GM hat on and assume that you are taking over for Kyle Dubas this summer. What are some of the things that you would do? Zach Hyman's rumored to potentially be moving on. Morgan Riley only has a year left on his deal. The Leafs have cap problems, of course. What are some things heading into next season that you would maybe do with this current group yeah it's crazy because you know everybody it seems like that Leafs fans you know they all they all put on twitter that they can be the Leafs jam and they all give their insights and i i do the same right thing home, right i do it at home every day i write it up and i have phone calls with people but no i mean hyman it's uh it's it's tough there because you know he knows he can get more somewhere else i mean the best thing you can do is maybe give him the pitch that you know this is this is the team this is your your group that you've been with and you know hope hopefully he does like what travis dermott did took a pay cut and then Dermot had a, not a great season. And look at that. Now he's not even making anything as much. Right. So I think that situation's tough. It, it, I, I heard rumors that they, they may be looking, teams are talking to him. I think you can trade his rights and before is that, that correct. So I, so, so if that, you know, that that's another thing, you know, and the Leafs goalie, I think Campbell's good goalie. And, you know, I think he is, but you, you never know. You want You want a good goalie. I think, I think Freddie's going to go. I, I, I personally believe so. I think, I don't know. I think his confidence might have dropped a little bit in that playoffs. So I think you know, but it could also spark him again if he signs for less because he knows the role and it gives him a little motivation, right? You know, Freddie. I said it before. Freddie never played a playoff game with any pressure on him before. He's always been the number one goalie. So Jack Campbell finally came in and he, he never got a chance. But if he did, you know, who, who knows what would have happened? But it's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do. I mean, I'm excited for next season. Like uh, I heard rumors about Taylor Hall too. Like if uh, God knows how we could afford that and what 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 they'd have to do to do that, but. I mean, that, that you bring in firepower, but we'll see what the expansion draft comes up with, and that, that'll be interesting. You know, that's that's going to be the knuckleball and the whole thing, right? The Kraken expansion draft, and uh, uh, hearing heard today that uh, Spring um, Skinner from Buffalo, of course, they didn't protect him. He waived his no-trade clause, and whether or not uh, Seattle will pick up that big contract, Buffalo's probably banking on whether they'll <laughs> kind of shy away from the millions of dollars that uh, is still owed, so... It's, it's crazy the amount of guys that, that get those amazing years and they rush into those big contracts and they're sitting there smiling like, you know, Minnesota just bought out Suter and Parise like that. You know, they're, they're definitely interested in something big too. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, there's going to be some movement for sure. I read an article today as well that maybe the Leafs would potentially be in on trying to chase down Darcy Kemper of the Arizona Coyotes, who is on a very friendly deal. He would be a great tandem partner for Jack Campbell. He's really distinguished himself the last couple of years. And uh, let's be honest, Blair, I, I don't know how much you listen to this show, but uh, Steve and the guys know that if there's one organization I like to rag on, it is the Arizona Coyotes. So they, they can barely afford to pay anybody. So I bet you they'd be very willing to shed three and a half million dollars to let the Maple Leafs have them. That would be a pretty good tandem, don't you think? Absolutely, exactly. I think Campbell Campbell was is a great goalie. You know, he's the best backup goalie in the NHL by far. And it's you know he he's a good goalie when he has someone to compete with. And I think Kemper come in and be excellent. You know, if those two are battling back and forth in reliable contracts, Toronto Toronto could be could be good next year. You know, we say this every year, but like. I'm excited. You know, I think, you know, they, they've really learned from what they've lost. You know, they haven't lost a boss in every time this year, you know, it's something different, right? So you get an opportunity to, to grow from that, you know, three, one series, you blow to Montreal, got to learn from it for sure. Absolutely. That would be the hope uh, of all of Leafs nation. Blair, we really appreciate you doing this, buddy. Congratulations on the new role. General manager, of the Hanover Barons. I think you're going to do a great job and who knows, man, uh, maybe in 10 years time, maybe less, who knows? We'll be talking to you from the offices in Toronto. You never know. 
I really appreciate you guys having me. And I appreciate the kind words too, guys. Thank you very much. Absolutely, Blair. We appreciate it, buddy. Best of luck this season. All right, we'll take a quick break. Like I said, when we come back, Clarky will jump on here and we'll dig into all the rumors surrounding the Maple Leafs. Who's going to get drafted by Seattle? Who's going to get traded? Who's going to get re-signed? Lots to talk about in the NHL landscape. Coming up next on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury, still alongside Steve Sabrin, and our buddy Clarky has joined the show. We Hello, appreciate- gentlemen. Hello, sir. We appreciate our friend Blair Butchert, the general manager of the Hanover Barons, for joining us last segment. Breaking news here as we record this, the Barons have further added to their coaching staff, Brady Anderson, former Listowel Cyclone and former Listowel Cyclone coach over the last couple seasons uh, when we were still playing hockey anyway. He has joined the Barons staff, of course, a Chesley native, a little closer to home for him, still wanted to be involved with the game. So another great add for the Barons uh, as they continue their youth movement if you will, behind the bench. And uh, And, and you know what? It's interesting because success breeds success, right? Look at the pieces they're putting together in Hanover. This is going to be a great PGHL season. Like I mentioned to Blair, everybody's going to be starting, you know, right at that uh, first block. And it's going to be really interesting to see how this whole league plays out. It is. It's going to be great. And uh, over the next couple of weeks, uh, we will have uh, other members from the other teams that we haven't talked to yet. Of course, Hanover tonight, we talked with Josh Keel of the Mitchell Hawks recently on a show as well. We will be continuing to roll out our PGHL content. Uh, guys, before we dive into Clarkie's Maple Leafs and a bunch of other stuff going on in the NHL and, of course, Major League Baseball as well, it was All-Star Week this week. Uh, I want to send well wishes to Barry uh, as we record this. A pretty nasty tornado touchdown in Barrie uh, today, Thursday, uh, July 15th, as we record this. So we're, we're definitely sending our thoughts to the community of Barrie. Uh, the damage looks really, really bad uh, at the south end of, of, of town there. So we're hoping that uh, that everybody is okay. Uh, let's move into talking about the Maple Leafs. Clarkie, it sounds like the Zach Hyman era in Toronto is all but over. There are rumors that the team is allowing his agent to talk to other teams about potentially doing a trade for his rights so that a team that acquires them could sign him to a longer deal. Of course, the Edmonton Oilers rumored to be very interested in him. There will, of course, be other suitors. Vancouver as well interested in his services. Uh, your impression of this and uh, what could end up becoming a, a quote-unquote cap casualty of your Maple Leafs? Yeah, obviously uh, not the guy I think most Maple Leaf fans wanted to lose. Uh, in fact, he'd probably on, be on the top of the list of guys not wanting to lose. Um. I don't know, Ryan, what do you think he will garner on the uh, unrestricted market? Like, that's what I'm curious about. Um, You know, he's got a lot of things going for him in the city of Toronto. Obviously, the Maple Leafs would be looking for him to take the old home team discount. Um, But at the end of the day, um, you know, money talks and uh, people walk because of it. And we'll see. But what do you think he'll get? Like, where do you think he'll be? Four to five? That's the thing. I, I just have a feeling Edmonton will will make a play to get him. Um, they'll have to shuffle some things around, but that's been a rumor for a while, even leading up to the playoffs, that Edmonton would be a destination that would definitely be interested in him should he hit the market. Um I, I bet you somebody's going to probably pay him $5 million. And is he worth $5 million? I don't know because I don't know how much you can quantify. I yeah. think a lot of people, when it comes down to contracts, they look at goals and assists and, and that's about it. And they quantify a dollar value to that. It's hard to measure or put a dollar figure on grit and hard work and determination mm-hmm. and forechecking, which Zach Hyman is one of the best in the league at. He's got great Corsi numbers. I mean, if you want to dig, dig into advanced analytics, he's an analytics darling there. Here's the thing, though, that I would say um, and, and why I personally would back off of giving him that much money. Uh, is this guy's had some significant knee injuries over the last couple of years. And that's always a concern. A guy that's already not that strong of a skater has had some significant knee problems. Um, but I think some team will probably, because he's south of 30 still, will give him 
probably $5 million. You'd like to see him settle in around the three, five, three, eight range. Um, so let me ask you this. Yeah. If the Leafs offered him six, seven years at three and a half and another team offers him three years at five, what's he taking? I think it'd be stupid not to take the term. That's my opinion for a guy with his kind of skill. If you can get a six, seven year deal now, North of three, you, I think he should take it. And as I was meant, like he's got a lot of things going for the city of Toronto. He's from Toronto. He has, he writes books. He's, he has deals with um, young with family, spon- with sponsors, young family. And you know what? This guy's never, I don't think, ever going to take the heat that a Mitch Marner takes because he's a kind of player that the city of Toronto loves. That's very true. And if we know anything about the the core of the Leafs fan base, they have always appreciated the muck and grind guys. Like yep. even even in the Sundean days when I was a kid and and everybody was big on the Leafs, like who were the guys that were the the folk heroes? Gary Roberts, Darcy Tucker, Ty Domi. Like they were there were jerseys of those guys everywhere, you know? So yeah, there's something to be said for having the safety of term. Um, I can't put myself in Zach Hyman's head. I guess it, given the situation you just put in front of me, I would take the term and stay on a good team on a line with Austin Matthews where I know that I fit in. Um, but some other team that's desperate to, you know, beef up their forward core like an Edmonton is probably going to give him the term he wants and the money he wants. So who knows? It'll be interesting to see, but it's sounding like the Zach Hyman era could potentially be over in Toronto. Sounds like maybe they're still kicking tires on your buddy, Freddie Anderson. They are not shopping his rights around and they are allegedly still talking about potentially bringing him back. What are your thoughts on that? Clarky? Well, just to finish Zach Hyman, Mm -hmm. they may be playing with the agent and Zach's mind a little bit. And thinking, you okay? Um, if we want to, if we want to stay in Toronto, these guys are serious. They're going to trade me if if not. But anyway, um, so they could be doing. It's yep. all it's all a game, right? It's all a game, and it's when it all comes about to money. agents. You're right. Yep. Right. Absolutely. So they could be they could be putting a little pressure on them there. Um, Freddie, you can't sign this guy for more than three million. And if you do, you're stupid in my mind. <laughs> like you can't. He hasn't proved it. And will the Leafs go in with Jack Campbell and nothing else? I think they're ready to do it. And, and like this team could be taking a step backwards if, if they lose Hyman. I don't think they're taking a step backwards if they lose Anderson, but they could maybe go out and sign another free agent goalie for two or three million a year that, quite frankly, could, I think, compete the same level Freddie Anderson does. Steve, what are your thoughts yeah. on that? No, it, I think the money's better spent going the Zach Hyman route. Like, if you need to, you know, grab another half mil and you lose Freddie, but you keep Zach, I mean, that's where your energy's got to go. Jack's proven himself. I mean, I'm sorry. He had a fantastic year and playoff run, and uh, there's no reason why he can't duplicate that. You do need a solid backup to maybe... You do. Kill, kill some time off the clock so you don't burn out your your number one guy. But, you know, let's look at the history. I mean, so big in analytics and numbers. Did the Leafs do any worse than when Freddie was in net? No. No, they didn't. The, the thing you said leading in there is what scares me, though, a little bit and why they need to beef up the goalie position. He had a good year. The argument, yeah, but first, Fred, but he still but, had a good playoff too. He, he had a good playoff, but yeah, you he Fred, you're you're telling me you're going to lose one of your heart core guys and keep a goaltender who used to be your starter to go into a backup role who hasn't really stepped up to the plate and given you that home run you needed. Like it, see, it seems very backwards to me. Very backwards. I agree, and I don't think Freddie will be back because at the end of the day, I just don't think the money will work, and he's not going to want to take enough of a discount to make it make sense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we were chatting with our buddy Blair Butcher, you know, there's rumors that they would be sniffing around a guy like Darcy Kemper, who would be an excellent tandem pair with Jack Campbell, and a guy that I think right. has proven over a longer period of time than Jack Campbell on a worse team and put up better stats 
that uh, that he could really, really push Jack Campbell. And I think if a guy like Darcy Kemper were to be acquired by the Maple Leafs, he would end up being your starter just based on what I've seen him do over the last three years in Arizona. And there's where, again, like we said with our friend Blair Butcher, where I where I think that that might be a likely way that they go. Because let's be honest here. The Arizona Coyotes are a joke. They're a mess of an organization. They miss paying players all the time and staff. There's There was that story out in The Athletic about how toxic their new their newest, latest 50th ownership group is. They they bounce checks all the time. I think they'd love to offload three and a half million dollars, uh, I believe is what he's making. And, and he'd fit in great with the Leafs and fit into their pay structure. Here's the thing. We're a couple days away, less than a week uh, from the expansion draft. And I, I'm decently confident that Alexander Kerfoot will get taken by Seattle. There's three and a half million gone. Could you not figure out a way to make it work with Zach Hyman? Because here's the thing, Clarkie, and I'd love your thoughts on this. I look at the bottom of this roster, and as good as Jason Spezza played, you know, I look at the rest of that bottom six, and I don't love what I see. I don't see a playoff winner there. There are a lot of guys that are decent players. Mikheyev, decent player, hurt. Pierre Engvall, decent player, not overly effective, not very big, doesn't really bring a whole lot to the table. Um, I think that this team, because of their cap situation, if you lose a guy like Zach Hyman, who are you leaning on now outside of someone in free agency that would cost you more money anyway? Maybe, yeah. To to fill this out, Nick Robertson, a 21-year-old kid who I think is going to be a good NHL player, but that's who you're going to lean on. That's what's going to push you over the top and and round out a championship roster. I don't think so. And that's no disrespect to Nick Robertson, but I just don't think that leaning on a 21-year-old kid, because you look down the way, and we talked about this with our buddy Cooley last week, Steve Coolius. You look at Tampa Bay and everyone's saying, well, now the cap's going to get them. The cap's going to get them, and they're going to lose this and that. They don't care. They draft so well. The Leafs have nobody of high quality coming in their system, let alone a goalie. Let's be on. Let's oh, there's no question about that. We, you went on that rant last week. I totally yeah, they, agree with they, you. They're awful they, at drafting. They haven't well, developed a goaltender since Felix Potvin. If you want to throw James Reimer in there, okay, for 30 games. Tuka Rask was a good draft choice. But didn't if you develop, had, didn't develop him. <laughs> no, if, I know. But I if know. you had, if you had your choice to pick to keep Hyman or keep Freddie, Oh, Hyman. You go, oh, there's you no Hyman. doubt. No doubt Hyman. Hyman. But you know what, guys? It gets back to that same argument that we've talked about all along. There needs to be some changes on this roster. And I, I'm I, I, like, you know, Cooley said the next two or three weeks is really going to be a telltale of this franchise and where we're heading. And if they don't do anything, like, there's got to be some changes. And maybe it's not Mitch Marner that I've been – you know, advocating. Maybe it's not Mitch Marner, but maybe it's maybe it's Morgan Riley. Maybe they go, you know what? Morgan Riley's a good defenseman, um, but we need to toughen up back there a little bit. And we could get rid of Morgan's contract. He's a free agent next year, if I believe. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so maybe you get rid of Morgan Riley now. Like there's gotta be a shakeup on this roster. And maybe I don't know where it's going to be, and it, it better not be like because Hyman and, and Freddie leave. There needs like Dubas is on the clock here, and I just cannot see how they can go back into this next season with basically the same team. If they can shuffle s- s- some of the players around and 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 figure it out that way, they I think they need to do something. But well, well, I don't know it, if it's Mitch Marner. And I'm glad you brought up Morgan Riley because that's another dominant storyline among the fan base right now. Do you trade Morgan Riley while he's still on a friendly contract to a team that could potentially re-sign him and reap the benefits of that later and potentially go after a guy like Dougie Hamilton, who it's sounding like the Carolina Hurricanes are not close to coming to a deal with. I've I've never been a huge fan. I've never been a huge fan of Dougie Hamilton, but he's a big boy. And I've, like, I've been you look at Montreal and what they did, and, and you know, like, 
let's be honest. Like you talk about the Leafs bottom six and not seeing them as a Stanley Cup. Like no one thought Montreal's were either. And like all you need is some good fortune and things can go well at the right time. But this team needs to make their own fortune right now because they haven't been able to do it. And they need to get their guys like how many more games can I'm going to say it again. Can they have Mitch Marner go without scoring a goal in the playoffs? I don't care how many scores during the season. I don't care. He's a first-team All-Star. Is Tuchuk available in Calgary? Let's do a deal. Yeah, there are rumors about that. You bring up Calgary, there's rumors about all their big stars. Monaghan, mm. Goudreau, they've only got a year left. I mean, they're you know rumored to be maybe in the trade mill for the right piece. Um, and yeah, Dougie Hamilton, again, a, a big guy, doesn't really use his size. He's more of a finesse player. I love him from the offensive blue line in. He'll score plenty of points for you. I, I don't know that he's that different than what Morgan Riley is, just a couple inches taller that doesn't hit anybody. Yeah. Is that yeah. worth seven and a half million dollars? No. I mean, I, I, I no. don't That's think That's why so I said personally. I've never been a huge fan of Dougie Hamilton if he uses his size because he's a big guy. Yeah. He's a real he's big a, guy. I think he's a very limited hockey player, to be perfectly honest, given the position that he plays. If he was a right winger, he'd be amazing. Yeah. Like, I mean, great. there was always rumors about Dougie Hamilton and and uh, Nylander rumors when uh, he was holding out, right? But Yeah, that's right. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, other news around the league, obviously the Edmonton Oilers made a, uh, a decently big splash, not in terms of necessarily an addition, but just the headline, the name attached to it, Duncan Keith and all of his $5.5 million salary for the next two years is headed to Edmonton in exchange for Caleb Jones, a young defender and a third round pick. I was baffled by this move. I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop shaking my head at Kenny Hall. And I mean, I totally I'm agree. Really, I'm really uh, confused by the move. Like not to say Caleb Jones is going to be a world beater or anything like that, but a guy under team control on a very minute contract and fine. You're going to give up a young guy. I understand the whole adage of adding a veteran presence, a guy that's won three cups, multiple Norris trophies. But didn't it correct me if I'm wrong? Was he healthy a few times this past year? A healthy scratch? Uh, well, he's, just because of health issues, yeah. And I mean, he was a healthy scratch down the stretch as well. Um, he's for Chicago. Old. Yeah, for Chicago. He's 38 years old. I understand the pedigree and everything that he, you know, has represented as a player and as a winner. I understand that. It's just <laughs> great. What, what bothered me about it was you, you trade a young player with a little more cost certainty and absorb the entirety of the cap. Like, in my opinion, fine. You want to trade Caleb Jones and bring in Duncan Keith? Fine. But it should have been Chicago giving the third round pick, maybe even a second round pick to be taking on the entire salary to lose yeah. a young defenseman who let's see what he turns into, but that's beyond the point and yeah. a pick and have the team not retain any salary on a roster. That's already a little cap strapped themselves in Edmonton. I was yeah. baffled by the move. I, I could not believe that they wanted uh, that they let that deal go through and didn't retain salary. And it looks worse now because in the last couple of days, Ryan Suter got bought out in Minnesota alongside his friend, mm -hmm. Zach Parise yeah. and Keith Yandel, as we record this today on Thursday, got bought out by the Florida Panthers. You could have had two guys that are younger and equally as effective as what maybe, he's going to give you for less. Maybe the Maple Leafs should look at those guys. Maybe the Maple Leafs should. I apparently the rumors are, and apparently Ryan Suter's really unhappy getting bought out in Minnesota. I understand. Yeah. Apparently the rumor is that he would like to go to Washington potentially. Oh, I, yeah. as a Caps fan, I mean, I I'd be okay with that, depending on the the price tag. And yeah. but but Keith Yandel, yeah, maybe he is a guy that Toronto good and power play guy. Yeah. He'd really improve their power play. I'll but, tell you that. But getting back to Edmonton, uh, what is it with the Edmonton general managers? Like before him, it was uh, <laughs> Peter Shirelli. Like there's been oh, some no. bad trades. Now, maybe this will all work out at the end. But yeah, I agree with you. It doesn't look good to me off the bat. And, you know, I, when you mentioned Edmonton, I thought of Mike Smith, who I think made a million and a half last year as a free agent this year. I'd rather have Mike Smith than Freddie Anderson. Like, well, yeah, as a backup, especially at a million and a half. Anyway, you, you never know. Throw that out. Um, there. And, uh, of course, uh, other news breaking this week as well. Uh, recent Stanley Cup finalist, Shea Weber, uh, sounds like he's going to miss all of next season. And it sounds potentially like his career might be in jeopardy with a really serious ankle and foot issue. And remember, he signed a really huge deal 
back in the Nashville days when Philadelphia offer sheeted him. I believe it was a 14-year deal. If he does end up having to go on IL and then retiring, Nashville is going to get hit with one of those cap recapture penalties like we saw in Vancouver with uh, the Luongo right. thing. And it's big, big money big problems for Nashville and Montreal will have to absorb some of it as well. So not good news. And we can't, uh, we can't forgo uh, the biggest injury of all uh, after the Stanley cup finals, Lord Stanley's huffering the upper body injury (laughs) in the boat parade. Um, Oh my God is bell rung Uh, to say the least and is uh, headed for some repairs. So Pat Maroon had an unfortunate incident with Lord Stanley, someone he's very well acquainted with now, three straight years. They're, they're comfy. They know each other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Stanley will forgive Pat, I think. Uh, but yeah, the cup needing to go back to Montreal for some repairs. Uh, it was interesting. Guys, let's talk baseball. It was All-Star Week this week, and what a showing by Vladdy Jr. again. I mean, running out of adjectives to describe this kid, what he's doing as a Blue Jay, what he means to this franchise. He is the youngest All-Star Game MVP of all time. He hit the 200th home run in All-Star Game history. He was fantastic. Um, yeah. Did you did you see the side by side shot of him and Tatis when yeah. he was up to bat and they had Tatis on the side and they threw him the inside pitch and Tatis is like, oh no. Yeah, he and- just put his hands on his head. <laughs> it was incredible. And it was incredible. And you know what? Jay's fans have to be excited. And what a hand Bull Bichette got during the player introductions, of course, his dad. Uh, Dante, a big Colorado uh, Rockies uh, right. uh, alumnus. So, um, and it, it was fantastic to watch. But uh, I think Vlad Guerrero definitely made some noise on the international stage. Because let's face it, yeah, you know he's a big guy. Or when I say big guy, big player, he puts up the stats. But he plays for Toronto, and yeah. there's a lot of markets down in the U.S. that don't pay attention. But you know he put on a show, and you look at the other like. Marcus Simeon was one for two. Teoscar Hernandez was one for two uh, at the plate in an all-star game. That's pretty decent uh, when you haven't seen a lot of these pitchers. So uh, they they did the club and they did uh, Toronto proud. They did, and I and I agree with with Ryan. Like I I think the Jays are very very close to being a real real contender here. And uh as we go down, you know, this this next stretch, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch this team again. Um I haven't I've been one of those fair weather fans lately that if they're winning, I'll watch them. Um and I think I'm going to start watching them more and more now cuz I think they're there. I really do. Um guys, just a little side note to the All-Star game. What did you watch SportsNet? No, I I watched the or game the, on the, on the, Fox MLB. Yeah, yeah. Well, like the broadcast was like night and day. Um, the the I thought the broadcast on Sportsnet was atrocious. It was an international feed, obviously, um, and the the one on Fox was outstanding. I can't remember the player they were interviewing during the game, but it was absolutely fabulous during like each pitch, and he was talking to the umpire, and um, that's the kind of stuff that you need in an All Star game, right? Yeah, it was great. I, I I watched all of it. Yeah, Ozzy Albies, they had him on. They had Liam Hendricks mic'd up at the end, which they needed oh, yeah. him on a five-second delay <laughs> uh, because, uh, you know, being an Oakland A's fan, now he's sadly with the White Sox uh, watching Liam pitch the last couple of years. He's... Uh, animated on the mound and and again uh you know just wrapping up our discussion about the all-star break um Shohei Otani I he was just he was the story going in they get burnt Um, out though right like in the in the home run derby they get burnt uh, out he was gassed he was really trying to pull the pitches and I actually won some nice money on cool bet uh, a betting on uh, the polar bear Pete Alonso to repeat as home run derby champion. He's one of two players ever uh, to repeat as home run derby champion. Yuena Cespedes, the other one escapes me right now, but uh, Power Pete was fantastic. But yeah, Otani still hit a, a lot of huge bombs. And then, of course, he's the winning pitcher in the all star game for the American League. I mean, this guy is just such a freak. It's incredible to watch what Shohei Otani is doing for the sport as a whole. Uh, unfortunately, 
news out of Major League Baseball. Uh, a number of the Yankees have, have tested positive for COVID-19, including Aaron Judge, who, of course, took part in the All-Star game. Garrett Cole as well. Um, yeah. So, like, all those guys at the All-Star game now, like, they better be tested. Are, people and are at risk. And, and not only that, this could really put a damper. Like, a lot of people thought the Blue Jays were going to be making their home debut maybe in even two or three weeks. That's right. I don't know. Now with this going on, like, you know, yeah, they had know. July 30th as a target to yeah, get back weeks. to the Rogers center two weeks. I mean, that's going to be tough to do. I mean, they're not even looking at opening the border anytime soon. Uh, there's a surge yeah. of cases in the U S um, the, you know, the herd immunity, the, the, the vaccination rates, uh, in Canada, Canada's really being careful to make sure they've got top-notch vaccination rate before they even budge on the border. Uh, and bringing all these teams in from the states to play, I I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. And you know what? Honest, as much as it would be fabulous to get the Jays back in the Rogers Center, you're settled into Buffalo right now. You're halfway through the season. I don't know. Consistency, maybe just ride out the rest of the season there. Um, but yeah, it, yeah. especially with, uh, again, with the COVID situation and uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a watch just, and see over the next two yeah. weeks. I just thought it was the worst timing ever for the Jays to have this <laughs> well, happen. Yeah. Like, because they've, they've been, you know, pounding the door of the government to let them, let them come back and let the teams come in and then boom, this happens. It's like, yeah, okay. Well, on although, the although Toronto FC is back yeah, in action this weekend they are. on home yeah. field and they're allowing yeah. 7,500 fans in. Yeah. So it, uh, I, I, on the day we're recording this, I know the, the deputy medical officer of health for Canada, Dr. Howard new said in a news conference that uh, it it's in good favor, I believe is the quote that he had that the Jays could potentially return home, not necessarily July 30th, but sometime in August, they're still trying to finalize everything and, and have a look at it. Remember as well, the Jays are one of the teams in, in major league baseball to have that 85% vaccinated, fully vaccinated threshold. I don't know if the Yankees are one of those teams off the top of my head, but I do know that there are seven teams in Major League Baseball that still have not reached that 85% threshold of players and staff to be fully vaccinated. I don't know how that's still possible. Um, and also, you know, not to turn this into a COVID discussion, but if you look at a majority of the new cases around the world, almost all of them are people that are not vaccinated. So that tells you a story. That it's all the details you really need right there. It'll be interesting. Would I love to see the Jays come back? Would I love to potentially go to a game? Yes, I would. But, uh, you know, I I'm not going to hold my breath on it. But uh, overall, I want to just kind of continue to focus and go to Marky, a soccer game. Go to a soccer game, Ryan. They're there. And maybe, maybe if you're lucky, maybe if you're lucky. They'll end the championship game in a kickoff or whatever. You no, I no, I'll just uh, I'll continue watching Chelsea when they get started. I don't want to watch the MLS. No disrespect, it's just not the same. I was talking um, about the Euro Cup. Well, I know you were talking about the Euros, but uh, no, I'm just gonna I'll stick with the Premier League. All right, we'll take a quick break. Great way to end back. it. Great way yes. to have a championship. It's awesome. Oh. Yeah, awesome. it's well, Italy's happy. Yeah. Uh, when we come back, we'll chat with our wagering expert, Chris Abbott. He's back from Vegas. We'll ask him what that was like, and we'll get some hot bets for the weekend coming up next here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to Wrap Things Up here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury alongside Steve Sabrin and Clarky. Still, we welcome back our original wagering expert, Chris Abbott from CoolBet. Abbott, how are you, brother? I'm doing good, fellas. How are you guys doing today? We're doing well, man. We're excited. Uh, Major League Baseball getting back to the regular season after a great all-star break. The Open is going on. I, why don't we start there? I mean, the Open Championship at Royal St. George's. Pretty good opening day today as we record this on Thursday. Corey Connors had a good showing at two under. Mac Hughes uh, at four under, just two back of the leader. Uh, Louis Oosthuizen after day one. What do you like here in the Open? Is there anywhere where people should maybe lean over on cool bet? I wish I had more insight, but I, I could be honest with you. I was, I was off for a little bit. So I, you know, 
maybe check with Pat's Twitter. Like I don't have <laughs> a whole lot. Like uh, you know, Dustin Johnson, twenty-two to one after the first round. Uh, I like that. I mean, there's there's a all I know is there's a lot of value out there after round one. You know, Ustazen is plus four seventy-five. Jordan Spieth is plus five hundred. And then there's some really big numbers out there. So I just think it's a real good time to get involved uh, in the middle of this tournament if you're not uh, riding something from uh, from the, you know, before the opening drive. Geez, DJ at 22 to one. I got five bucks burning in my pocket. That sounds pretty enticing to me. Uh, another big event going on in England this weekend. Hey, the British Grand Prix, one of my favorite events of the year. It's going to be a great race. What do you think there? Are you leaning back towards your boy, Lewis Hamilton in his backyard? Or does my guy Max Verstappen take the checkered flag again? Well, as I'm looking at it right now, before qualifying, Lewis Hamilton's plus 155 to win. I mean, uh, it hasn't been a good few weeks for him, but, I mean, you're right. He's, he's at his home track, um, plus 155. He's had a ton of success there. I, I'm going back. But, I mean, you know, if you're going to ride the Verstappen train, he's minus 111 as well. So, I mean, it's hard to go wrong with either of those guys at this point. But uh, I, I'm always going to ride with the plus money. I'm always going to ride with Lewis Hamilton. I, I don't think he's done. I, I'd be shocked to see if if he didn't turn this around. I, I would at least lay money on him to get a podium. And one of my favorite bets in F1 this year, take Max Verstappen's teammate, Checo Perez, Sergio Perez to finish top five uh, baseball back this weekend as well. The Jays, they're looking to try and climb the standings here. Is there any, you know, money you'd splash around in this weekend coming up here as we get back to regular season play? I know the Jays definitely take the over in their games. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton of runs being scored, and and you know they're playing the Rangers uh, at home, uh, as it were. But I mean, a lot of excitement that maybe they'll be back in Toronto at the end of the month. Um, I would look for the Jays to drop their first game out of the break, though. They're the Texas Rangers are are two to one dogs coming in here. The Jays had a number of guys at the All Star game. I'd be looking to fade them uh, as a massive favorite, or you know even the Rangers plus two at minus one fifteen. That's how I'm going to look for the first game back. I don't mind that bet at all. And the Rangers, yeah, they'd give you some plus money for sure. They'd still be an underdog, but they have a sneaky good team as well with guys like Joey Gallo and Nate Lowe. So, yeah, that's probably a good bet as well. And that's why he's our wagering expert. That's Chris Abbott from CoolBet. Thanks for doing this, brother. Good to have you back. My pleasure, guys. We'll talk next week. All right, guys. Remember, you can listen to this show Friday nights at 6 p.m. on CKNX AM 920 and CKNX.ca. You can watch the show Friday nights at 8, Sunday nights at 9 with our friends on Whiteman. You can also watch the show debuting Friday nights at 9 o'clock on our YouTube channel. Follow us on social media at MWO underscore sports. And remember, you can find this podcast on all the best podcast apps out there. I'm Ryan Drury. That is Steve Sabarin. That's Clarkie and our wagering expert, Chris Abbott. Hey, we appreciate you guys listening to and watching MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. Mm-hmm.